0: You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark.
1: Hi, welcome to the first ever Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. And I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark, who you can follow at Mary C. Clark, this show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On today's show, we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about. Maybe not so fun for the Florida Panthers, though. Aaron Ekblad's injury, how long is he out? How are they going to handle that? Tim Peel, fired by, well, not fired by the NHL, but let go and not reffing games anymore after the controversy about game management. We're going to talk all about that as well. And of course, the trade deadline's looming. There's lots to talk about with that. And especially considering there's lots of chaos going around in the NHL, especially in Philadelphia. Shane Gostisbeard bears on waivers. There's reporters reporting on the, car- the mental health of Carter Hart. What's going on there? We've got lots more to get into on today's show. So, Mary, how's it going?
0: Hello. It's a... Uh... It's going well. Happy to be doing this first episode with you, Andrew. I'm excited to, you know, get rolling and enjoy. I'm going to enjoy talking to you, especially about the flyers. There's some chaotic stuff with them. This ghost going on waivers. I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but boy, oh boy, it is. Yeah, it's pretty chaotic out there in the NHL landscape right now. So yeah,
1: I'm excited to get into this with you. We've been planning this out for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Philadelphia is such a big topic right now, uh, but. First, first up, we're going to get into Aaron Uh, Eckblad. I'm sure you've seen the injury. I'm sure most people listening have seen the injury, the video. That was a huge gasp for me when I first saw it. Like, it's just a brutal twist of the knee there. It looks like some blown issues there. Uh, It's estimated that he's out 12 weeks, which is essentially the rest of the season and probably how far the Panthers were going to go in the playoffs, but, uh, there's lots of questions around this situation. Uh, the biggest one that I've seen going around is over the last couple of seasons, the analytics community has been really high on Mackenzie wegar He has some of the best defensive numbers of any defender in the entire NHL. He's just, like, spectacular. And it's an interesting situation because without Ekblad, his numbers are better than Ekblad without him. But without Ekblad, he's playing pretty buttersoft minutes. So it's like, is he a guy who elevates while playing with another really good player or is he a guy who can you know carry his own pairing and this is going to be like one of the more interesting things to watch as this season unfolds for the for the Panthers what's your take
0: yeah it's going to be a big test for them I mean Aaron Ekblad is I mean I was going to say the face of the Panthers I don't think you could count Sergey Bobrovsky as the face of the Panthers even though he's third, like like highest paid player but like he's the wallet
1: of the Panthers
0: yeah he's the wallet of the Panthers but Aaron Eckblad is the face of the Panthers to lose somebody like that especially who is leading the team in minutes with 25 minutes uh, per game that's somebody that is integral to the team's composition and no matter which way you slice it it is a huge blow to them especially because they're in a playoff race surprisingly I nobody would have thought that that would have happened this year but they've been quite good and better than expected and losing aklad is gonna hurt and yeah like Mackenzie wegar is he gonna be able to like take those minutes from him i mean um he's been playing like 22 minutes per game but it's about the quality of competition he's gonna face he's probably gonna be the guy that they're gonna rely on to like take those top minutes against uh big like the big names on teams and it, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if he's up to the task. It, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like drop-off on the team just because Ekblad plays such a huge role. Um, and like I said, he's the face of the team. Like When you lose somebody like that, it's going to be difficult. But we'll see how the Panthers recover. I mean, they've put themselves in a good position um, already this season to be in a playoff spot. So if they could maybe like take a little hit and still remain in the playoffs and still look strong... That's very possible.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they're, what, 22-9-4 and four as we record this podcast. They've been mm-hmm. phenomenal this year. They're winning almost 70% of their games. Uh, Ekblad's been a big part of that, but, like, maybe slightly controversial, but for my money, Ekblad is kind of overrated and has been for mm. a long time. I think he's been better in the last couple of seasons, but to me, he's a little bit empty calories. Like, he scores a lot of goals, but you look at how the Panthers play with him on the ice. And yeah, he's playing strong competition, all that. But for the most part, they get outplayed relative to when other players the, are on the ice when Ekblad's on. So, like, it's it's good to have that strong uh, ability to play tough minutes. But if mm-hmm. you're still losing those battles, then are you really, like, a top-end player, right? It's kind of the same question marks that surrounded uh, Shea Weber for a while, right? Like, Shea mm-hmm. Weber scored 20 goals a season, and he's a monster. He's a physical beast. Like, Ekblad's a big guy as well. But while he was on the ice, he was getting outplayed in his last few years in Nashville and he's been better in Montreal, but still like it's, I think the fifth season now since he's been in Montreal and he's been outplayed essentially every season by Jeff Petrie. So like, is he the number one guy in Montreal? He plays the most minutes, but is he the best guy? I I don't think he is. And Ekblad has been fantastic with Wegar. I think Wegar carries the defensive load on that line. So like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Ekblad has 11 goals. You, you can't really replace that. You look throughout the lineup and they've got Keith Yandel, who's also an offensive defenseman, but more of like the passing type, right? He, he's a playmaker. So they're not going to have that danger in shooting from the back end. But I like one of the questions that I find super interesting about like where the analytics community is moving is like how much are goals from defensemen, like not really worth that much because you don't really want your defenseman shooting anyway. Like the, the entire NHL, And this is something that I learned from working with, like, uh, private data over the last five, six years has moved way closer to the net in shooting. Like, Mm -hmm. point shots, especially on the power play, are very rare now. And most of the teams that rely on them aren't very good on the power play. So I do wonder if maybe Ekblad being out of the lineup puts more focus on the forwards shooting the puck more often. And I'm not going to say that the Panthers are going to be better. They're still missing a good player, even if I think he's overrated. but it might not be as significant of an offensive loss as it might seem on the surface.
0: Okay, well, I guess who do you think then steps up? Like, as you said, there might not be somebody to fill the role specifically, but, like, who do you think, I guess, would be able to, you know, stem the bleeding, I guess, for the Panthers if that's possible here?
1: Yeah, I think you have to look at some of the young guys. Like, uh, Marcus Nudivara, he's kind of an unknown around the NHL unless you're, like, really watching a lot of Florida Panthers games. But he's actually leading the team in expected goals per 60, uh, like his honest differential. So, like, he's a guy that I would look at. uh, He's been pretty unlucky so far this season. He's, I think, actually got the worst actual goals differential. But, you know, if the luck changes a little bit, he could be a big uh, difference maker. He hasn't played a lot of minutes. He's only played in 12 games so far this year. But he's going to obviously get a lot more minutes with Ekblad out of the lineup. I think he's a guy that you would look at as possibly there to step up. But overall, I think the issue that Florida has more than just Ekblad being out is that they lost their best guy at possibly their weakest position. Uh their right mm-hmm. side or their left side defense is or the, the side of defense that <laughs> Ekblad plays was the weaker side, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's gonna be tougher to to replace that talent. I think that you know, some of the guys on there that were better a few years ago, like Anton Strallman, everybody sees that name and they're like, oh, he's a really great, solid defenseman. But he's not that great anymore. You know, like he's had several pretty rough injuries that he's had to battle through. He's older now. Uh, Radko Gudis was like a really underrated defenseman for a long time. But Mm -hmm. a lot of what he does has kind of slowed down over the years. So it's like, where is it going to come from? And I'm just not sure they have much to fill that gap.
0: So I guess then the question is, I mean, it's really funny you mentioned Rocco Gudis. I remember his time on the Flyers, mm-hmm. and he was, like, a semi-underrated for some of the things he did, but he also has that um, urge to, you know, take penalties and stuff. So there is, like, I guess a trade-off with him sometimes that he was kind of a bit underrated in terms of the numbers, but then, of course, like, you'll see him do things like take a point shot and it goes wide, or, like, he'll take, like, a really dumb penalty or, like, get suspended for a couple games, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess this is why he is who he is. But I was going to ask her say that like do you think then that means that the Panthers could actually like take a dip in the standings are they safe are they I mean they've got I think an 11 point lead up on Nashville right now they've got 48 points in 35 games and Nashville below them in the fourth spot has 37 points in 36 games so I mean they have they've built themselves a cushion but is it I guess is it in danger possibly of you know moving them out of the playoffs entirely
1: yeah, I think this is one of those situations where the way that the divisions are balanced this year, it, it seems like every division I know that there's been like this argument about like, oh well this team's only been doing good because their division is weak, and this team's only doing good because their division's weak. And I have heard that argument about every division so far. Uh the East is the one you hear it the least about, it's the tightest division, but every division has a like three teams that are definitely gonna make it, and then a couple in the middle, and then a couple at the bottom. And I think that in this situation, Florida is really fortunate because they've started so hot. And like you Mm -hmm. said, they have a huge, uh, I think it's, they're 11 points up on Nashville and Chicago. So Nashville and Chicago are seemingly fighting for that last spot. I don't have the confidence in either them or the Columbus Blue Jackets getting into that fourth spot over Florida. Like it could be that one of them passes Florida and Florida moves down into that fourth spot in the central But they've built such a cushion. There's just not enough racetrack left. Like even if they go 500 the rest of the way, they're gonna make the playoffs. I think the biggest impact here is unless you know Ekblad's a young guy, maybe he comes back earlier than they're expecting. But I think the biggest impact for the Florida Panthers is that they had a situation where maybe they make some noise in the playoffs and generate some buzz around that team for the first time. And who knows how went like it, like 95, like Mm -hmm. it just. They've been in the just,
0: playoffs more recently than they, that, they though, right? They have been,
1: but like this is the best that they've looked in a long time, right? Like mm-hmm. they've really been killing it this year. You know, Barkov is magnificent, Huberdeau's great. They've got so many good pieces that are exciting. So the fact that they don't have Ekblad entering into the playoffs, I think they're in a bit of trouble. Like I, I yeah. don't think that they're going to make much noise there. I think they're like a one and done team without Ekblad there, and that's just it's not good enough for for a team that uh, really needs to have some success. And they've also got other injuries to deal with too. And like, yeah, they're day-to-day, but like Barkov's out right now. Hornqvist yeah. is out. Uh, we don't know how long, but listed as day-to-day, he took that hit to the head. So it, it's it's a tough situation for them. I, I don't think that they're going to miss the playoffs because yeah. like you said, they built such a, a great cushion, but I think the playoffs are going to be rough for the Panthers.
0: Yeah. So in the short term, they're gonna they're probably going to be fine considering they have... They played thirty five games. That means they've got twenty one left. It's a fifty six game season this year. So like they're more than halfway through. They it's a they've got such a huge cushion, it's gonna be very difficult unless there is a catastrophe of like a bunch of like a like losing a bunch of games, just like an actual like collapse from that team. And it doesn't seem like they're going to because Joe Quindle is a good coach. It just doesn't seem like it's in their nature to probably collapse, but I definitely can see a first round exit, especially with no Ekblad if he's not like, if he doesn't return before his expected timeline, it's yeah, which kind of sucks because like the Panthers were having like a really interesting season. I mean, I don't think that they could compete with the, you know, the Tampa Bays and the Carolinas of their division, but it was still great to see them. You know, performing I guess above expectations where everybody thought they would be this year, so it it is kind of a blow because it would have been cool to see them maybe win a like a like the first round. It it could have been possible depending on who they drew. If you know things like slid like because they're only two points back of Tampa Bay right now, so in first place, yeah. so like it. As, as we said before, like, the NHL, like, end of the season can be pretty chaotic, so, like, they could have slotted anywhere in that top three, and I guess they technically still can, but it doesn't really look good for their playoff hopes at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's a situation where you wonder, like, how much are the Panthers willing to sacrifice, like, future to, to get into the, like, to get mm-hmm. uh, to solidify that position and, and move forward. You look at... Uh, you know, we've got trade deadline talk coming up. Maybe there's somebody there that they could add in and and uh, solidify things and put themselves back in a position to not only make the playoffs, but be a very scary team to match up against. Later this week on our next episode, we're going to have Marissa and Jemmy on the podcast for an interview to talk about the NWHL playoffs and all the goings-on around women's hockey. Marissa is an intrepid reporter who works for pretty much everyone, and we're really excited to talk to her. And up next on the podcast is the segment we're super excited about, the cross-check. We're going to talk about Tim Peel and the NHL, what the NHL wants you to think, and what you should actually think. I wrote an article about this on Substack that you can check out, but Tim Peel and game management coming up. And if you're an intrepid reporter like Marissa, you might have to get into a car to get around to multiple locations in one day. And if you've got a car that needs repairs, you should check out rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. New carpet's something I might need pretty soon because I recently went to the grocery store to pick up my groceries and I had spikes in the back trunk to get out of snow, which is a thing we have to deal with constantly in Canada. And the clerk, unbeknownst to them, not their fault, decided to put a two liter of milk on top of one of those spikes. And I didn't know because I was still in the driver's seat. So by the time I got home, there was two liters full of milk spilled in my trunk. Recently got it cleaned, but uh, every time you step into that car, it still smells a little bad. So I might have to be checking out rockauto.com myself shortly. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on on their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you'll ever need. rockauto.com If you like this podcast, make sure you check out Locked On Today. Get more of the sports you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And now it's time for the cross-check. Every week, Mary and I are going to take on a topic that may be controversial, maybe not. But what people are wanting you to believe or what's being written about it doesn't really align with what we believe. So we're going to take it on and uh, dig into it and see what's really going on. And this week, we're going to talk about Tim Peel and the NHL's response to what happened with the Nashville Predators game. Uh, The situation was that uh, the Predators were dominating, frankly. And they had only had one power play so far in this game, but they scored a couple seconds into it. And, you know, sometimes in the game where one team has just got all the flow, uh, the refs call an even up call. And this is, you know, relatively accepted around the league that this is something that occurs, but not really official doctrine, right? So Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic saying that he wanted to get a penalty against Nashville, but uh, there wasn't really much there, but he had to call one anyway and this was a a big deal essentially it was caught uh, on it was clipped by locked on contributor matt best and it went super viral uh it was all over the place people were freaking out and the nhl said they were going to launch an internal investigation about it and less than a day later they took tim Peel out of games for the rest of the year uh they didn't fire him because he only had a month left in his career he was planning on retiring so the assumption is that he's kept his salary, uh, he's kept his pension, so that's good for Tim Peel because I feel like that's a pretty harsh response to something that I think most people know happens all the time. But the issue is that the NHL seems to like be making a scapegoat out of Tim Peel and saying like this is an issue for the integrity of the game. And while I agree it is an issue for the integrity of the game, this isn't all about Tim Peel. What do you think, Mary?
0: Yeah, well... I, I find it funny, first and foremost, that Tim Peel is probably the most maligned official in NHL history. I mean, he had that bit with Greg Wyszynski, um, years and years back when he was still on Yahoo um, of, like, rating how bad his calls were. I mean, when you had Tim Peel in the game, like, reffing your favorite team's game, you knew that some shenanigans were going to go down. So I find it, first and foremost, incredibly ironic that Tim Peel, of, ple- of all people, was involved in this incident. But yeah, I mean... Tim Peel really just said the quiet part out loud, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, with the way he said that, like we all know, like it's not it's not a secret that the NHL likes to call, like the NHL officials like to call games evened up. Basically, like you don't see a big disparage in like disparity, like in penalties at all, ever. Really, I mean, unless like something gets way out of hand, but they like to make up, like not make up calls but they like to even the calls up between the teams so that everybody has like a chance to get on the power play and then you if you don't you get coaches or players complaining that you know the game was called like there was like nine penalties on one team to three on another like you get like that happens when if there's the rare time that there is a disparity that happens so Tim Pugh really just said the quiet part out loud and I don't know if it's necessarily like if he's becoming a scapegoat but it's like will the NHL Like, fix anything? Is this like, are they going to keep doing this behind the scenes or will it, or will they, I guess, change the way that they're going to call games now in the future? Because, like, there's arguments to be made that, like, should the NHL, like, crack down on, like, game management? Because, like, you don't want to see, like, 50 penalties a game where the game stops every five seconds because somebody's, like, holding or lifting the stick or whatever. But, like, there also needs to be an element of, like, you got to call the rule book at the same time, like rules are rules. And like, you can't just like let a penalty go because they already had like three on that team. So yeah, I, it's this whole situation is really interesting because we've known for a very long time that the NHL is officiating the way it has been officiating uh, for years, basically since that oh four oh five lockout. So like, is it going to change anything or is Tim Pill basically like, I guess the scapegoat or the fall guy for the, the Like for basically saying what everybody, I guess, thinks the way the game should be
1: refereed. Yeah, it, it's definitely, like you said, the quiet part out loud situation. I, I look at the situation that the NHL finds itself in and all they care about is quieting things down. Mm-hmm. It, it, they don't care about uh, changing the way they're doing things. Coley Campbell is still employed by the NHL. Yeah. You know, like, there's emails that were leaked during the whole concussion investigations of him, like, screaming at the director of officiating about his son being called for a penalty. And, like, they tried to spend that. It's like, oh, yeah, that was him emailing him as a father, not as, you know, like, the vice president of hockey operations of the NHL. Give me a break. It was from <laughs> his official NHL email. Exactly. Like, that is... Official documentation of official communication. he's still still
0: acting as an arm of the NHL in that situation, regardless of whether he was, you know, asking him as the father to his son or whatever. It, yeah, I that whole situation. I mean, combined with this, is some is some crazy nonsense. It's it's incredible to see how the NHL like like we'll do one thing but then still quietly do it. I mean we've known that this is how the NHL operates for some time, from like small issues like suspensions and stuff to I guess larger issues like terms of like race and stuff that they've dealt with in the past. But like this is just another microcosm of that for sure.
1: And the NHL has tried in a few situations to be aggressive in changing things. Like uh when Brandon Shanahan first came on as the like discipline czar or whatever you wanted to call him when he started out, like the uh department of player safety head uh the suspensions that he started handing out were severe and like on point documenting them with videos was a huge step Mm -hmm. forward uh you know they they really tried to crack down on head hits and then the complaints started from the general managers that they didn't want to lose that player for that long and all of a sudden you know like year over year suspension times were halved and then halved again and now it's like unless you're Tom Wilson you have to almost murder a guy to get two games from George Perils mm-hmm. and the guys in charge there. So it's like they dole out more fines now, but like a $5,000 fine doesn't mean anything to a guy making $4 million a year. Like the average NHLer now is making I think I think it's like 3.5 million.
0: They've even done the same with penalties too. I remember a couple years back that they tried to call like slashing. more penalties. yeah, slashing. There we go. They tried to call slashing more to the book and then that didn't last very long because there were so many penalties and they and people complained so much. I mean, not only I think like coaches and players complained. I think probably f- player like fans complained too. Like so, we're at a, we're at a weird crossroads of like do we want the NHL to like the officials to call the game by the rule book, which then means that there will be more penalties, more stoppage time. It will be in the essence more fair all around but in terms of like the game presentation it's going to take like a lot longer like you're going to be thrown out of things more often like you don't really see that in terms of like football because it's not a continuous action sport and then there's the other side like game management do you just want like like very few penalties per game of course calling like the like egregious ones or whatever but like more of like a you're maintaining the flow style of the game, the like continuous action, not really interrupting it with penalties and power plays. It's a really interesting decision that the NHL may or may not have to make because we're not we don't know if they're talking about this behind the scenes, but as you know, fans and stuff, it's like, what do you I guess want to see out of the NHL? Do you want it to be called by the rule book or do you want like a more like continuous action flow type of game?
1: Yeah, and this is where like this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, of the cross-check, is that I'm going to say that at least a certain subject section of fans are flat out wrong. Uh, <laughs> people who think that there are too many penalties called or there's like too much, too many whistles to break up the game, nah. We are currently in the lowest number of penalties called era in NHL history. Of the 10 seasons in the history of the NHL since they started tracking it in 1963, we have the the 10 season with the fewest penalties called per game, eight of them were in the last eight seasons. Mm -hmm. All seven of the least penalized seasons are the last seven seasons. So, like, we're in a situation where penalties just have disappeared. And the reason why people think that there's more penalties, in my opinion, is that power plays are just way more dangerous now. Mm -hmm. The average power play this season is clicking around 21%. You know, 20 years ago, the average power play was 16.5%. So, like, the coaching there... And the talent that players have is just skyrocketed to a ridiculous degree. So you've got fewer penalties, but the power play, power plays you do get are more effective. So when you've got when you add game management to that situation, you've got a situation where you know maybe there's only two two penalties called in a game. Maybe there's only like one, and you call it against the team that's dominating or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. that one power play can change. Everything, especially with yeah. how good goaltenders are. You can dominate and just be goalied, you know? So yeah. I think now is the era where that kind of game management, as much as referees like to pride themselves on, like, understanding the flow of the game and what needs to happen. Like, we, we talk about how, like, you don't want referees to influence the game by calling too much. Well, you can influence the game by not calling enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, how many exactly. years did the Boston Bruins, for example, get away with everything? Mm-hmm. You know, they were... uh People say like, oh, well, you know, their penalty differential was negative when they were like the the big bad Bruins, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at their, their games that they were playing compared to other teams, the Bruins saw games with far fewer penalty calls overall. So yes, they were on the penalty kill more often than they were on the power play. But teams got far fewer power play opportunities against them to fight, despite the fact that their identity was to play dirty especially after whistles like the scrums and everything that's one of the things that i just wish the nhl would cut down on mm-hmm. but the whole game management situation like it just has such a big effect when it really shouldn't like yeah. call the rule book as it is you might have a, a stretch of time where there's a ton of penalties you know mm-hmm. and, and i'm not saying like you have to call every little thing but if it, the way i see it is if somebody does something that's against the rules that impedes a player with the puck or getting to the puck you have to call it yeah. you have to and call. I, you can't let I it think, go because it's in overtime or tied or whatever
0: mm-hmm, yeah and I was gonna say I think that like starting with like if it's a tie game in the third period you got to start calling those like yeah. just don't take the penalty if you don't want to be if you don't want that to be called on you I mean it's gonna take probably a little bit for players to adjust to that mentality but I think a solution like a possible solution is to start calling those penalties in like like like, don't wait till it's egregious. Like, I mean, even the egregious ones sometimes don't get called. But like, don't wait f- like in the third period for those calls. Like, I get it. If it's like game seven of the Stanley Cup final and it's three three and your favorite team takes a penalty in the last like five minutes and you get upset about it, just like don't take the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like
1: that's on play, the players.
0: Play, yeah, play tighter. Play tighter. Like the the, the official the officials shouldn't have to throw out the rule book in the last like. 10 minutes of a ga- of a tied game to you know make it more dramatic or whatever like just call just call it like you see it and well,
1: and that's that comes down to like what do you think the official's job is is it to call the rule book or make teams feel better <laughs> you know like I, yeah. the, the, like the argument like the players might get mad at officials because they don't want it I don't care <laughs> when are players not mad at the officials like mm. the officials are they can deal with that they, they've been dealing with it their entire lives and this is one of those things where like I think people get on the referees themselves a little bit too much. Uh, you know, like Tim Peel obviously was a very maligned referee for a very long time, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the referees do what the league directs them to do. Yeah. They cut down on slashing, not because they felt like it, but because the league said we're going to cut down on slashing the huge uh, boost in uh, interference calls coming out of the 0405 lockout. That wasn't referees independently making that decision to call that more. It was a league directive. So when you've got league directives that are, you know, confusing, or unclear, you're gonna get inconsistent officiating, and we have that a lot. You know, we have games where one official calls everything, and the other lets everything go. Yeah, you know, it, it's you it, people have to be on the same page. And like, obviously, the good referees they do their powwow before the game, and they decide how they're gonna call the game. But like, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a difference game to game. There and there really also shouldn't.
0: should be more transparency. I mean, I think it's time that we should see that refs and officials should get you know media availability like we we should like even for five minutes even just to answer like two questions like
1: yeah especially if there's a controversial call like even if it's just like to explain it and not necessarily take questions like yeah just something because a lot of the times the league Puts out like their little email explainer or like press yeah. release explainer. the little like, like
0: the little press thing and be like this is this is why it was called this way or this is why it was reviewed this way. But just yeah. let like them like talk to the like fans and the and the media like yeah mistakes I think, are gonna
1: happen yeah it's a human game and that's acceptable. What isn't acceptable, like you said, is the lack of transparency and the confusion around what the directives are. Yeah, I think that people would be far more like fans who don't like more penalties would be a lot more accepting of a highly penalized section of the season. If before the season came, the NHL was like, okay, we're going to cut down on these kinds of penalties. And Mm -hmm. if the players are taking these penalties, that's on them. Like if they get pounded into the ground with power plays, that's their own doing. We're going to cut down on it. And I think that, you know, like maybe the idea of like cutting down on slashing, it worked short term in that one season, but it didn't actually even create a blip overall because all they did was not call other stuff.
0: Yeah. But A transparency, I think, is the key here. I think it's going to be, like, transparency from the NHL of what that they're going to do in terms of, like, how they're going to call the rule book overall. Then also transparency from the officials in terms of if they made a mistake on a play. Why did they call a penalty here? Why did they, you know, like, when they reviewed a play, why did they go with this? So, like, I think overall, I guess, transparency would be the key. I know that that's not the NHL's style, as we've seen in the past. That's probably... That's probably something they're going to have to be forced to do. Like, I don't know. I don't know if a situation like this is, I guess, maybe big enough for them to, you know, want transparency from their officials. Like, I don't know what else it's going to take for them to be like, all right, we're going to have like, we're going to tell you guys how we're going to be roughing, like the season overall. And also we're going to let the officials be, you know, like have some media availability or like give a statement or whatever after a game. Like, do- does Like, doesn't the NBA do that? I think that the. They do. Yeah, yeah, and and, and refs
1: can be like um, I think they can be fine if they mess up the call as well, or not fine, but uh, like the league calls them out by name, which is kind of mm-hmm. rough in, in a way. Like I think everybody sees missed calls or like misplays, missed calls
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, on their TV anyway. You don't necessarily yeah. need to like,
0: but I think that that, that public, stuff would but. like possibly you know rise the level of like like, m- like officiating, make things better for everybody. I don't, mm-hmm. I know that that's not the NHS, NHL style. Transparency, like, on some things isn't really their thing, as we've seen, but I think that this would benefit them, I guess, in the long run. I mean, in the short term, it would probably more than definitely be, like, there would be, you know, growing pains and issues and stuff. But I think for the long-term health of the league, that that's something they really should look into, because, yeah, transparency to me is key.
1: So, less game management, more trades. That's what we're looking for in the next little while in the NHL. Uh, Trade deadline's coming up. We're going to talk about that in a moment. If you're liking what you hear, make sure you rate the podcast. Give us a little review wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And uh, the trades coming up are going to affect betting. And if you want to bet on sports, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you could imagine. BetOnline co- has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Collin gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season long Dynasty and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's A U D A C Y. Scott Collin's a good guy. I, I really like Scott Collin. He was one of the first people when I was getting into the business to uh, respond to my emails to give me some advice. Uh, Scott. Has been doing fantasy stuff for years and years, and he was a big contributor uh, around trade deadline stuff as well. And trade deadline is coming up, April twelfth in hockey or in the NHL. Uh, we've got very few trades so far this season with the uh, border being closed and you know quarantine going on because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Patrick Line got traded for Pierre Luc Dubois and parts. Uh, Eric Stahl was acquired by Montreal last week, and uh, Alex Galchenyuk was uh, sent to Carolina, then Toronto. Uh, Galchenyuk seems to be making a pretty decent impact in Toronto. Uh, Line A is not having the greatest marriage with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and Dubois seems to be fitting in pretty well with the Jets. Stahl, don't know yet, still in quarantine. Uh, Which trade so far this season do you like the most, Mary?
0: Well, as you were, first off, as you were laying that out, I was like, man, it's actually been the Canadian teams that have kind of been active uh, in the, which is not what I would have expected in the, in like lead up to the trade deadline, because considering, you know, the quarantine stuff, um, didn't it just get reduced to seven days too, I think? Yeah,
1: it's confusing. Uh, Apparently it got reduced to seven days in Canada, but like it's 14 days But seven days you're, quote unquote, quarantining with your workspace or like with your people. So it's like it's it's not a quarantine. It's seven days of quarantine and then seven days where you can't play, but you can Mm. practice.
0: It's OK. It's trying to find a loophole. I just find it interesting that it's been the Canadian teams all making the moves um, and stuff so far, at least the major ones so far, um, especially because of, like, you know, quarantine and stuff and all that. But for me, I mean, the line trade happened feels like so long ago, but it wasn't really. It it does. Yeah. I mean, it was only, like, what, a couple months now, I think. I mean, that's – it's been really disappointing in Columbus. I mean, I don't know if we – We've, we talked about, maybe we, like, touched on this a little bit in the earlier segment, but for me, Columbus, like, like, lining Columbus has just been, yeah, it's been a disappointment. I mean, you would have thought that he would have wanted to restart, like, his career and stuff in Columbus and all that, but it really just hasn't worked out for him so far. I mean, he's got, like, he's played 27 games this year, 17 points. That looks Fine, but you know he hasn't scored a goal in his last five games. He's gotten what two points, I think, in his last five games. And the last time he scored a goal was on March eleventh versus Florida. Like he's been, and he's playing like fifteen. Like he's the last like couple games, fourteen minutes, like fifteen minutes tonight, fifteen minutes tonight, nineteen minutes, eighteen minutes, twenty minutes. Like he's still putting up, like he's still like getting ice time, but he's just not like doing anything with it, which is the unfortunate part. Like I don't know how much of Columbus's struggles we should lay at his feet. But that has not been, as you said, like a happy marriage at all in Columbus. And that's surprising to me because I thought that he could have rejuvenated his career in Columbus. I mean, you know, say what you will about Tortorella as a coach and all, but, like, Line 8 has the skill. We've seen that skill on display. I don't know what's wrong. Like, if it's just, you know, another bad environment fit or what. Or if he's just you know, dropping off so quickly, but I did not expect that at all from him.
1: Yeah, I've been able to cover the Winnipeg Jets for for the Winnipeg Free Press for the last couple of seasons. And one consistent thing with Line A is he has all the skill in the world, especially in terms of shooting talent, but he's a little bit like empty calories. Like, Mm -hmm. I I hate to reuse the phrase (laughs) again that I already used it earlier in the podcast, but he scores goals, but Goals go in against him while he's on the ice yeah. at an even higher rate. You know, like he just plummets lines defensively. He doesn't have that commitment to defense. Uh, it, not all of it is about commitment. He just also has, like, really bad defensive instincts. Like, he just doesn't do what you want him to do. And it, it's one of those situations where I think Patrick Laine, in a perfect situation, could score 60 goals in this league. Mm-hmm. He could. He can do that.
0: Yeah, he can he be can basically also be... like an Alex Ovechkin type. Like Yes, a, like a pure but goal I could scorer. also...
1: Yeah, but I could also see him being out of the NHL in the next three years. Yeah. Like, he's such a boomer bust guy, and it's trending towards bust. Like, this has already happened once before, uh, where he had this, like, really weird up-and-down season in Winnipeg in uh, 2018-19. He he was just, like, all over the place. It was the first season where he trended down in goals, and he he scored, like, goals in bunches to the point where he had, like, 17 in 11 games or something like that, and then the rest of the season he had 13 goals. Mm -hmm. And you know last season he improved his playmaking but his goal scoring again didn't move upwards so it's like that shooting percentage that was the the thing that was floating his early career yeah hasn't really returned yet he's shooting at an above average rate for an NHL forward but his his shot rate's not very high like he's just not getting pucks on net so he's a guy that shoots from far out because his shot is so good mm-hmm. he doesn't work to get the shots from in close uh it i i just I struggle with him because he, he like frustrates me, and I, I think if he frustrates me, I totally get that he frustrates <laughs> NHL coaches, right? Because yeah. they're the ones who want their guys to like lay it all on the line, and he just doesn't do that. And mm-hmm. no matter how much talent you have, if you're not doing that, and then like the goals aren't coming, you're going through a rough stretch, you're going to get benched or called out and Tortorella is not shy about doing that oh yeah I mean look what happened to Pierre-Luc Dubois
0: when (laughs) that's that's what kick-started this whole thing off is the whole thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois and his I guess effort in game and like yeah it's just it's it's so like I guess disheartening because like we saw what he could do in his first couple seasons in the league that type of skill is like you don't often see that in the NHL. Like, there was a reason why he electrified the league in his first couple years. And it's just been disappointing to see the drop-off. And I don't, like, he could be out of the league. You're right. It's very possible that he could be out of the league in a couple years. I mean, he's a free agent this year, this upcoming offseason, correct? Like, I, I don't yeah. think it's going to, like, take him out of the league this year. But who knows? Like, his... His, like, free agency stock has dropped off, I think, dramatically, especially because he hasn't been able to do anything since coming to Columbus. Um, But a couple people that have been traded this season, like somebody like Alex Gachandjok, also has, you know, had that journeyman label attached to him.
1: Yes. How many teams has
0: he been on in the last, like, handful of years? It feels like half the league. (laughs) Toronto, Ottawa, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Arizona. Montreal, yeah, I mean, that's like, what, one, two, three, four, five, sixteen. teams? And Carolina for five minutes. Oh, yeah, that's right. It d- that doesn't show up on his stat sheet. Yeah, Carolina no. for five minutes.
1: Barely so, counts.
0: Yeah, I mean, somebody like that, you know, getting moved to Toronto, like I was saying about Liney that it could restart his career. I mean, somebody like Alchenyuk on Toronto, I don't know if he's going to put up a lot of points, but that is definitely, if you're going to go to one place to revitalize your career... Toronto is probably the place to do it.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that the fit with Galchenyuk in Toronto is perfect because Mm -hmm. not only are the, are, are the Leafs like a very wealthy team that can bring in like a bunch of skill coaches, which they have skating coaches and, and they can take their time because they're so high up in the standings. They didn't need to rush Galchenyuk into the lineup. They sent him down to the American hockey league where he dominated. Uh, obviously he was very motivated. Like his first few games with the Leafs, he's just been a spark plug, but yep. the fact that they also like really push offense, which fits with Galchenyuk's style. It's just been a perfect fit. Uh, they can really kind of rehab things on the fly and and not rush him into big minute situations and also not bury him on the fourth line where he's not going to get the opportunities. He's playing with Tavares now. Like that's a dream situation to play with Tavares and Nylander. That's most teams first line.
0: Like you said, they've got the structure for it. Like if if any team out there is going to be the team that you want to revitalize your offense, it's going to be Toronto because of their, the way that their system is set up. They're just so deep. He's not going to be put on the fourth line at all. Like, He's gonna be, you know, given time with people like Tavares and stuff like that. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how he fits in that system, and you know, come playoff time, like he might even score those clutch goals, and that's he was, you know, so used to having. So like, yeah, I stuff like that, like that's really intriguing to me as to how he's going to fit on the team. But I guess so far so good seems.
1: Yeah, it, it looks really good. I, I hope for his sake that he turns it around because I think Galchenyuk's been a guy who just. Has not had the support that you expect from a top five pick in, the, in a draft. Like he just has been undercut constantly his whole career. So I, I just hope for the sake of seeing how much talent he has that he gets to show us, you know, and, and that he really rehabs his, his career in Toronto. I, I would love to see it. So we all, we both agreed uh, before coming on the podcast that we'd talk about one trade each of us wants to happen. It could be to improve a team, it could be because we love chaos. <laughs> So, Mary, what's your one trade this year that you want to see happen at the deadline?
0: Oh, well, I, I put down Jack Eichel for the chaos. Where he goes, I don't know. But, boy, that would be chaotic. I mean, talk about, like, a uh, top-end talent, you know, not being able to, I guess, reach his full potential with his team. That, like, that's a major case right now with Jack Eichel. I don't know. Like, I want it to happen for the chaos. I don't know where I guess he would be the best fit for, um, especially with his cap hit um, and all that like it stuff like that is going to be tough to make those big blockbuster moves and all that but I I want to see it happen for the chaos like Buffalo is down bad right now I mean they what they lost their what 18th game in a row uh, on Monday night to the Flyers even though they had a 3-0 lead um, they lost in overtime so like it is just not going right in Buffalo right now and I I kind of want to see how I go get a fresh start I mean I think even Buffalo fans would agree with that, too. I think that their big sentiment right now is, you know, get Eichel out of there and let, let him be free. But it's going to be tough with his, like, cap hit of $10 million on his eight-year contract. So
1: Yeah, there's some players you, you make it work for, right? Yeah,
0: that's true. I mean, yes, you would make it work for Jack Eichel. It's just going to be that trade would have to be a monster deal. Um, to get Jack Eichel, but I I think Buffalo fans would agree with me that they want to see him, you know, move on to greener pastures because it feels like he's being wasted right now in Buffalo and all that.
1: I, I'm just sure that you could hear the collective sigh from Sabres fans, though, if if that a- ends up happening, because you know that if Eichel's getting moved, like, yeah, you're going to take salary back, but it's for futures, right? Yeah. That's entering rebuild, like, number three in Buffalo. It, yeah. Like, but- Ugh.
0: I mean it's uh, tough but what else can you do with them? I don't think that that yeah, I don't I, know. what else can you do? It, it they're at like historic levels of losing right now and that's not good and I don't know if you can come back from that and you know put out the same team that you've been putting out for years like I think that something's got to give and unfortunately it's it might be Jack Eichel. I don't know if it'll happen considering you know the pandemic and the flat cap and all that. But I think that that's the trade I want to see most just because it trading Jack Eichel is like your typical NBA trade. The NHL doesn't get yes. to those points.
1: No, a Jack Eichel don't. trade,
0: a Jack Eichel trade would be on par for at least like your basic level NBA trade. So that would be enough. For yeah. Me. It,
1: it would light up social media like crazy, oh, yeah. right? It'd be the kind of exci- exciting thing that we don't get to see outside of like, when Stamkos resigned, Subban was traded, and then Hall oh, yeah. was traded yep. within was like gonna four minutes that of each other. in that
0: like 20-minute span of, oh, what yeah. a day that was. That was...
1: That was a very busy day.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, trust me. I was working that day. It was a... Uh... Yeah. It kept on coming. It kept on coming. But yeah, yeah. It, something like that would definitely rival like those big moments that we used to get, it seems, in the NHL on trades deadline. Yeah. What about you? What trade so would I, you like to see? I,
1: I had one, but after talking about the Panthers earlier on in the podcast, I've changed it. Okay. So my new one is Matthias Ekholm to the Panthers. Ooh. I think they're one of the few teams that has the assets to acquire him without giving up much on the roster. Now, you know, Nashville going back towards the playoffs complicates everything, right? Maybe they decide that they don't want to do this anymore. But Ekholm's name has been around, like, all season long. Mm -hmm. It's clear that, you know they've got two years or one year after this one left on his contract. So he's going to be worth more this year than next year. You know, you're buying two years of a guy who's really good right before he hits free free agency. I think he comes in and he replaces Ekblad perfectly. And then if you last long enough in the playoffs, Eckblad comes back. Oh baby, you've got a pretty strong defense now compared yeah. to the start of the season. And that feels, you know. and
0: that feels what you said earlier about their, that their defense is their weakest aspect. If you add Ekholm to that lineup becomes possibly maybe their strength, like considering yeah. like the caliber of those players. Like, yeah. I mean, we're talking about like basic fantasy scenarios. It feels like, I don't know if these trades are like going to be the ones to happen, but they are definitely ones I like, that is so interesting. Like you're right now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, you know what you said, Nashville's, you know, being competitive again, complicates things because who knows if they'll want to trade, who knows if they'll want to be sellers if they consider themselves to be in the hunt. But as for like a, a trade that I would like to see, now that you put that in my mind, I would love to see that.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be super fun. I think Eckholm would fit with their attacking style really well. I, he's, a, he's a guy that I think everyone pigeonholes Ekholm as a defensive defenseman. And like, yeah, he's good defensively. He's really good defensively. But he's also a really good puck mover. Um, he's like very stylistically similar to to jeff petrie uh for Mm -hmm. for people who watch more north division games like he likes to skate the puck he's a little bit haphazard with passing the puck he creates more turnovers than like an average defenseman from like his defensive zone passes but he makes up for it with how safe he is with the puck everywhere everywhere outside of passing and his preference is to skate the puck out of danger and he's got the swift feet to do that and he's pretty good at joining in on the offense too like it doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while you're like, who's that for check? No, that that's Matthias Eckholm for checking mm-hmm. and really effectively. Oh wow. He just drove the net. What the heck's going on here? And like, he's been about a 0.5 point per game player for the last three years now. And he's doing that again this year uh, with very little fanfare because uh, nobody's really watching <laughs> Nashville yet because uh, they started so poorly, but He's a, he's a really good player. I think he could fit in anywhere. He's one of those plug-and-play guys that uh, every team should want. But I, I think Florida has a spot for him, and they have the assets to get him as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to mention this before we move on, but uh, you were talking about off the top uh, Shane Gossesberg going on waivers. I mean, this, I guess, kind of fits within, like, not trade deadline stuff, but, like, moves and stuff. That I just wanted to speak on it because as a, you know, the resident Flyers fan of this podcast, uh, I feel like I needed to, you know, say my piece. It's interesting. It's a bold. I think it's a bold move for sure. If somebody claims him, that's gonna be interesting because he actually hasn't been too bad for the Flyers this year. He's kind of started to look like the Shane Gosses bear of old, uh, which a lot of Flyers fans really wanted. But if he, it's probably for taxi squad purposes. Um, so we'll see if it pans out. I mean, what's that? What's that phrase? Is bold move, Cotton. We'll see if it works out. Uh, <laughs> but. Ghost going to waivers is something I definitely did not expect. I mean, he's got three more years at 4.5 million uh, a season, um, so it's a high number. But anything can happen. I part of me thinks that he's going to get claimed because you know, it's the Flyers. You know, anything can go wrong, will go wrong. But it's it's a bold move. But if he just gets assigned to the taxi squad, it's whatever. But it just it that was definitely a surprise to find out today.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you want to talk about the Flyers in any sort of detail and follow what they're doing, you're going to need to keep your energy levels up. And if you want to keep your energy levels up, you should be trying Built Bar. Right now is Built Bar madness. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now is the time out, time to find out which built bar is the best. It's built bar madness. Today's matchup is cookie dough chunk versus cookies and cream. Oh man, that sounds so good. Mary and I are waiting on our orders of built bars right now. We're this is like one of the more exciting things about joining the Locked On Network yep. <laughs> is getting our built bars. We're super excited about it. The, the Locked On chat has been talking about built bar constantly cuz they just got their shipment of built bars and we've been here jealous waiting to get ours. Remember, if you want to check out Built Bar, use the promo call. If you want to, <clears throat> remember, if you want to get some Built Bars, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. One of the ways that Mary and I are getting ideas for the podcast and engaging with our listeners is hosting Locker Rooms. Locker Room is a new audio app where you can talk about sports right now. It's iOS only. So if you have iOS download the locker room app and come hang out with us, we're going to be announcing on Twitter when we host our next locker room, which will be coming up very shortly. The app's free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Mary, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Rooms for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Mary and I ourselves are planning on hosting a live watch party with a game perhaps of your listeners' choices. I mean, We we haven't talked about it yet. We we might... uh, Get into it and decide based on listeners who what game we're going to watch and uh, we'll all watch together and talk about it. You have a chance to chat with me. might even have a chance to be featured on the, on the podcast itself. You can join in and uh, become a speaker. Go and download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league that you're most interested in. Follow me at Andrew Berkshire to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. If you're enjoying this podcast, go and check out Locked On NHL, daily episodes on the biggest stories each night in the league featuring a collection of our local Locked On NHL hosts. That's Locked On NHL anywhere you listen to your podcasts. One of the things Mary and I are really excited to talk about uh, in the first few episodes of this podcast is we're going to do a segment called Get to Know Andrew and Mary and we're going to take some pop, some uh, BuzzFeed quizzes, which if you're listening, you can take alongside us. And don't be shy about sending us your results on Twitter. <laughs> where It's going to be really fun. But first, we've got to talk about the Flyers for a second. Like we talked about, uh, it's this this team is such chaos. And, you know, if you're not following the Flyers, or you're not a Flyers fan, you might not know who Sam Carcitti is. But if you're a member of Hockey Twitter, you probably remember his most famous moment, which was questioning... Bob McKenzie about something that was reported by TSN in quotes on Facebook in the most obviously photoshopped, awful fake trade or fake signing in history that he somehow thought was real. <laughs> and then when Bob McKenzie said, that's not real, instead of backing down, he said, looks real to me. Oh. Yeah. And this was like a meme for a year on hockey Twitter And now he's decided that he wants to, uh, you know, become the main character for the day again online. And he put out this report that uh, Carter Hart had split from his uh, sports psychologist before the season and put a bunch of speculation out that that's why he's been struggling this year. And uh, people aren't happy because uh, mental health is not a scoop.
0: Yeah, mental health isn't a scoop. Carter Hart's business in that regard it is his business. Um I mean it's been known for a while he's had a sports psychologist like I remember interviewing him some years back when he was still, you know, a prospect I guess for the Flyers team hadn't made the big league um, yet. But I mean that was a big talk with him about his like mental like mental focus and, you know, his calm mentality and his like work with a sports psychologist in order to, you know, have that type of mentality, but we don't need to know his fans if if he split from his sports psychologist there's more wrong with Carter Hart at the moment than just his mentality I mean his play hasn't been good like it it's just yeah that whole thing just isn't good reporting in my opinion it's not something we need to know you there's no need to speculate on someone's mental health there's no reason for that to be a story um I mean this isn't the first time Sam Carchidi has you know done those types of things um, in Flyers media, but it is—it's a shame. But I—I I hope whatever Carter Hart is dealing with right now, if he's like—if he's dealing with anything, if you know, I mean, it's tough to be the goaltender of the Philadelphia Flyers. There's a reason why that position has been, what fans say, cursed over the years. It's uh, Flyers fans are as tough on their goaltender as Eagles fans are on their quarterback. So it is not an easy position to play. But uh, Carter Hart really is going through it right now, just in general, in the hockey sense. I mean, he was, you know, benched uh, last night. It was uh, Brian Elliott and Alex Lyon uh, doing goaltending duties. Um, And it will be for, I guess, like the next couple of days. So he's clearly taking some time off to work through whatever issues he's having mentally or physically. Uh, But yeah, you're right. That's not we don't need to know that um, as fans, especially because there was speculation in there, too. That's not really worth talking about.
1: Yeah. and, And this is like. We're, we're talking about it because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I'd like to encourage everyone to not click on this kind of stuff. <laughs> I
0: didn't. I didn't read it. I just, I remember yeah. I was paying attention to what Flyers Twitter was saying, but I didn't read it personally.
1: Yeah. And like, this is like an issue that I have personally. Like I, I have a hard time um, censoring myself from like amplifying stupid content. And I, I think that everyone, including myself, can do better in – you know, amplify the good stories that are well done and try to just push this stuff to the side. And like, there's people who are going to talk about it no matter what, but at the end of the day, support the kind of journalism that you believe in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you believe in this, uh, good for you, but we don't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Please support journalism.
1: All right. So let's get to know each other, Mary, because for those who don't know, Mary and I are familiar on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but this is our first time actually working together. Like we worked at SB Nation at the same time, but we didn't really work together. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to do some BuzzFeed quizzes. We're going to put the link to it in the description of the podcast. You can do it along with us if you want. And uh, we're going to figure out what pasta the sauce matches our personality.
0: Yes. I picked a couple you, of them. Are you ready, Mary? Yeah. I picked a couple of them just because I thought it would be a good, like, um, get to know each other type thing. Because um, like like you said, we kind of know each other. Uh, we're familiar with each other from Twitter. We did, I guess, work together a little bit at SB Nation, but this is our first time working together. But it'll also be good for you guys, uh, uh, the listeners, to know, I guess, more about us if this is, you know, your first time hearing me speak or... Andrew speak or if you're followed us on Twitter for a while and I have no idea what we're like I think this would be a good way to you know get to know us so believe it or not everyone has a pasta sauce that matches their personality and here's yours uh so I don't <laughs> right. know if you want to like read the question and then read the answers and then see uh see what we're gonna pick but uh I'll do it however you want Andrew
1: yeah we'll we'll, we'll not tell everyone what we're picking because we don't want to like influence their decisions but we'll just go through and then we'll 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 read the the questions and the answers and go quick okay Alright, so what would you rather do on a Friday night? Stay home and cuddle? Go shopping with friends? Go out and party? Volunteer at a local food drive? Sleep or watch a movie?
0: I like how sleep isn't all capital letters on this Buzzfeed quiz. <laughs> um. All
1: right. Which word best describes you as a friend? Comforting, reliable, welcoming, optimistic, fun, or thoughtful?
0: Okay. Alright. I feel
1: like we should sell, I feel
0: like we should tell our answers just so that they know what we're picking. <laughs> like to get it to get to know us better. That's yeah. the whole point of the quiz, Andrew. I
1: guess that's true. Okay, okay. So okay. For the first one I put watch a movie.
0: Yeah, same. Watch a movie.
1: Okay. Uh, which which word best describes you as a friend?
0: Uh, optimistic. I've always been told by my friends that I'm an incredibly optimistic person. So uh,
1: I put comforting because I've been told many times that I give the best hugs.
0: Oh, uh, we yeah, yeah. It sounds good to me. All
1: right. What seems like the best time? Traveling, watching T V, skydiving, cooking, dancing, or reading?
0: Ooh. I've been reading a lot recently, so I want to put reading, but I think watching TV is where I'm going to go here.
1: Oh, I'm going traveling just because I haven't been able to you know, in that's forever. Fair.
0: That's fair. I'm still stuck in the quarantine mindset here, Andrew. Yeah, so. no
1: kidding. Eh? All right. Which one are you? The one who can't make up their mind, the one who doesn't stop talking, the one who hugs everyone they meet, the one who isn't afraid to speak up, the one who works extremely hard, And the one who, or the one who makes people smile?
0: Uh, I'm the one who doesn't stop talking. If you know anything about me, uh, I'm... Uh, I talk a lot uh, and i I I know people find that annoying sometimes but uh, hey I have a podcast now so it's my time to shine
1: you know I think I might be the same one ah. maybe that's why we have podcasts yeah maybe all right, choose where you want to be right now: a beach, a meadow, your bed, the mall, a big city, or a cafe. The beach. Oh, I'm so going beach. Yep, the beach. beach. We're, it's gonna not the warm yet We're gonna get the same thing. We're gonna get the same
0: thing, aren't you? I can already tell. I but... know
1: it's, it's getting close. Yeah. All right, pick a pizza: cheese, pepperoni, veggie pizza, margarita, margarita pizza, white pizza, or Hawaiian pizza. I'm
0: going pepperoni.
1: Like uh, oh damn, I'm also going pepperoni. <gasps> we have more in common than we thought.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, choose a profession: chef. Performer, CEO, guidance counselor, professor, or doctor. Oh boy. Um, hmm. I'm going professor. I like talking. I like teaching people stuff. Um, I was, I've always found that fun. I'm
0: gonna go guidance counselor because uh, I don't know if I have good advice, but I probably could be something I could make a profession in if I got better advice. But I do like talking to people, and I always find that talking to people about their problems can, you know, help people through them. So. The last and one. This one's
1: hard to go through for audio. Yeah, it's fine but pick a house to to do or to live in. Uh, there's like a giant mansion. There's like a like... there's like a countryside villa. I would say, mm-hmm. like a farmhouse, an apartment, a super modern home, or like I don't know what the last one you'd just call like a it... a big con- country home. A I guess. big
0: country home type thing. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. All right. I have made my decision uh, i want to I'm know what go, you
1: are yeah i'm gonna go countryside home i think okay so what'd you get i got bolognese eh? okay i got something different so read yours first all right so it says you're just like bolognese sauce you're the type of person who just does it all whether it be shopping or traveling you're always finding a way to make life more exciting that doesn't really sound like me to be honest with you <laughs> You think outside of the box, and you take risks. You're a deep person, which means you tend to overthink. (laughs) However, you never let that outshine your true and genuine character. Continue being the bold person that you are. I mean, I love that sauce, so I'll take it.
0: All right, I got Alfredo sauce. You're just like Alfredo sauce. You're rich in spirit and are a great source of comfort to those around you. You're a simple person who loves to cuddle, and you gain joy from the smallest things in life. You're honest and straightforward, and you give the best hugs. Sorry, Andrew. That's my title now. Oh, no. (laughs) Continue being the supportive person you are. You know what? That fits me. I am very much a supportive, nice person. (laughs) At least I like to think I'm a nice person, but uh, that definitely matches me for sure. And I like Alfredo sauce, too, so I'm not going to complain here.
1: All right. So hit us up with what kind of sauce you are after you listen to the show and take the test. That was our first show. We're back on Thursday with Marissa and Jemmy. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. And I have a story that I've been saving for a very long time. They're going to tell on that podcast. I was going to tell it on this one, but our first show is just so packed. So Mm -hmm. we're going to shelf it until the next episode. Maybe we'll even talk about it with Marissa. We can't wait to uh, talk to you guys again. It's really, really exciting to start this podcast out. And if you love it, please subscribe on every podcast thing that you use. Rate us, review us, follow us on social media at Andrew Berkshire, at Mary C. Clark. We'll see you next time.